take for granted so many freedoms we have in this country. I think you really have to live overseas or at least visit overseas. Some of these third world situations where they have openly oppressive governments and to say some of the things that we say openly would would end in incarceration or, or worse. Those issues and that type of a thing could never be discussed in some countries without fear of imprisonment. Welcome to the National Defense. The National Defense is dedicated to the men and women who serve our country in active duty, our veterans and their families. We're here for you. God bless you. We love you. On each episode, we look for people and stories with some connection to these heroes. I'm Randy Miller. Actor John Amos has had a long and storied career as an actor in television, stage, and on the silver screen. From the Mary Tyler Moore Show, to Good Times, to Roots, to portraying Admiral Percy Fitzwallis on the West Wing in television, John has also played some great roles in films, including his upcoming sequel alongside Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. John was a member of the 50th Armored Division of the New Jersey National Guard and visited his old unit when they were deployed to Afghanistan several years ago and has been a great supporter of veterans all across the country. Encouraged by the legendary Kansas City Chiefs coach Hank Stram to pursue a career in writing, John has lived more than a couple of lifetimes and we're thrilled to have him here on the National Defense. Actor extraordinaire. This man does so much for veterans. John Amos. You know his work from Roots. You know his work from Good Times. He's done, uh, he does some exceptional uh, stuff with the USO. John, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for the opportunity, gentlemen, to speak on behalf of our veterans. Thank you so much. Well, you've spoken on behalf of our veterans many, many times. In fact, um, you know, one of the, the things that I saw you at uh, recently was uh, at the uh, the big celebration at Union Station in Kansas City, and uh, you you had a uh, you're a big part of the program there for veterans. And what can you kind of tell us what your connection is to veterans and what your interest is in these men and women that serve our country? Absolutely. Well, on a pers- very personal level, my father John Amos Sr. was a veteran in World War II. And he always honored his commitment to attend as many veteran celebrations or veteran uh, acknowledgments as possible. So I'm just pretty much carrying on. And on my own personal military record, if you could call it that, I joined the New Jersey State National Guard as a youngster and uh, at the age of, well, a very young age, because I'd fudged my age just a little bit. I was <laughs> my age. And Have you just, ever done uh, anything by the book, John? Uh, which book are we talking about? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the bottom line is, when my mother found out that they, I could go away for two weeks in the summer to summer camp, and then they would feed me all I wanted, she said, by all means, where do I sign? <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, I, and just on a note on that, you know, and that used to be the way that was, right? Uh, the National Guard, the reserves, and anymore... There, there is none of that. Everything is active duty now. You know, you talk to some reservists who are are on their fourth and fifth deployment. I mean, anymore, that is a full time job. No doubt, my own outfit. I was with the 50th Armored Division of the of the New Jersey State National Guard, which has now been the name has been changed to the 50th Armored Battalion. I was present along with the governor of the, the then governor of the state, Corzo and a number of other military dignitaries when that unit was deployed to Afghanistan several years ago. Wow. So you're absolutely right. There is no more uh, just, you know, weekend warriors. Right. Once you take the vow and you, you, you sign up, you're in, man. 
That's it, you know, and uh, that's why it makes it so much more important now. We talk about this on the show all the time because uh, the reservists uh, used to be uh, the ones that the people said, oh, they'll get their job back. They'll, they'll be fine. They're, you know, no problem with employment. Well, that's become the number one unemployed person in the United States of America. And yeah. that's that's just a shame. That That's unacceptable. It and, is unacceptable. No doubt. I wish... I watched, like so many millions of other Americans, watched the debates the other night. I wish that more attention and more questions had been focused specifically to each candidate as to what their plans were to rectify the uh, the grievances justifiable of the American veterans. A lot more attention should have been paid to that, I felt. Uh, well, I, I totally agree. And, you know, it's a, it's a, a kind of a sad state of affairs that that's always the last question to be asked when, when that should be the first. I mean, there, there are some, uh, senators and some congressmen that are out there fighting on a, a daily basis. And the VFW has legislators that are on Capitol Hill every day. But, you know, for the, the less than 1% of, uh, the population that serve, that's about the, the same amount of people that care about those issues. And so that's a, it's a tough road to hoe for those, those people. Yes, it is. So they need all the support that all yep. of our legislators can give them, and it can't start soon enough. Well, so, uh, John, now you run a – how many USO missions have you had? I know you've been with the USO on uh, several, several trips, right? Yes, several. In fact, one of them uh, – was a trip to what we call Stansville. That was Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan, and Uregistan, and a whole bunch of other stands that I still don't understand. There's, there's a lot of stands over there. A lot of stands over there. But it was uh, a tr- the most fascinating thing about that trip was I'm in Kyrgyzstan, and a young soldier comes up to me and he says, You're John Amos, aren't you? I said, Yes, sir. He says, uh, Are you from Califon, New Jersey? And I said, well, that's where I live. And he said, well, you go into my, my, my grandfather's store all the time. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, man. I mean, it was like something out of a Hollywood movie. <laughs> Here's this kid uh, from millions of miles, well, not millions of miles, but certainly hundreds of thousands of miles or thousands of miles away from home, and we meet in the most godforsaken place in the world. Right. Um, it was just an amazing piece of, uh, uh, what would you call it? <laughs> Serendipity. Serendipity or something. Well, and you know what's amazing, John, and I've heard this story from uh, from other people who have, who have visited there. Um, it, it's such a small world. And, uh, you know, you don't realize that until you go that far and meet somebody like that, like you say, from, from your own town. But do you get a sense of when you travel with the USO or any group and, and you meet uh, these these military folks, how much it means to them that not only who you are, but that you've taken the time and the effort to come and visit them. That just means so much. Oh, they appreciate it ever so much. And at one base in particular, it coincided with my then birthday, and they surprised the heck out of me. They they took me into a a conference room. I thought I was going to be sitting in on some top-secret strategy meeting. (laughs) (laughs) They had a birthday cake for me. I tell you, I was moved to, I didn't want to wimp up on those guys, but I was moved to the point of tears. Oh, man. man. I tell you, it was an absolutely fantastic feeling to see these uh, these soldiers get together and, and recognize that it was my birthday and to honor me with a cake. That's so cool. And I've got pictures, oh, I've got hundreds of photographs with uh, 
the bomber crews, and I even got to do something that they used to do in the Second World War, which was to send a uh, uh, a expletive-ridden <laughs> quotation <laughs> to whoever was going to be recipient of the bombs that day. <laughs> <laughs> Take one of these in the morning and call me tomorrow. Yeah, right. You got to craft that message, huh? Yeah, I got to send that. So it was a good feeling, man. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, you know, I'm I'm looking down the uh, the IMDb here, and I mean, you've been associated with uh, a lot of of uh, projects that had some military leanings, huh? Oh, no doubt. And then, of course, on the West Wing to play, yeah, to portray the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. For a guy that that never made it past Tenderfoot and Boy Scouts, I did pretty well. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, John? I mean, that not only speaks to your acting, but it speaks to your presence. You know, I can see you walking into a group of uh, Marines or or, or uh, sailor, or whatever it is, and them looking at you like, we will do anything you tell us, Mr. I mean, you just have that presence about you. Well, I thank you so much. Uh, you talk about presence. I had the privilege when I was uh, working on the West Wing to be invited to meet then Secretary of State Colin Powell. Oh, wow. He had retired as a Joint Chiefs. So my wife and I were sitting outside his office waiting for our appointment, and he comes strolling through the office and looks at me and says, Percy Fitzwallace, what kind of name is that for a brother? <laughs> for I mean, a brother. <laughs> and totally disarmed me, broke me up, we started laughing. So we go into his office, we sit down, and he says, excuse me a minute, John, I want to call my wife, Alma. He calls his wife, and he says, Alma, you'll never believe who I'm sitting in my office with. Wow. I looked at my wife, and I said, she'll never believe who he's sitting with. <laughs> yeah, right. I oh, just, my gosh. I looked up at the heavens, and I said, Ma, look at this. Would you believe this? Yeah. Oh, man, that's fantastic. It's a great feeling, and he, I can understand why his troops bore such an allegiance to him. You talk about presence. If he'd have yeah. said, John, we need you to re-up, I'd have signed the paper right. <laughs> well, I mean, not, and not just re-up, but can you imagine uh, Colin Powell telling you that when you're getting ready to leave the military, are you sure you want to do that, son? No, no, I'm not. I, I, I've, I've thought it over. I'm not going to do it. I'm just, I'm going to stay. Exactly. He'd have <laughs> pulled you off the fence the right way. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What do people recognize you most from when, when you're out in the public or when you're visiting the military? Have you ever had a chance to uh, to go to Walter Reed, by the way? Yes, I did. I was going to relate that experience. I, be, I went to Walter Reed a number of times before they moved the facility hmm. to Bethesda, Maryland, I believe. Sure. And uh, it was an eye-opening experience to see the rehabilitation facilities they had there for those soldiers and those warriors, male and female, who had lost a limb. Yep particularly a lower limb, a leg, and to see them on, on the therapy program and the way these guys cheer each other on. They don't want any pity parties. No, oh, no. Listening. That's the last thing they want. What they want is to be brought back into society, given yeah. a meaningful role, and understand that just because they've lost a limb, they haven't lost their hearts, and they haven't lost their devotion to this country. And they need that support. So if it's, it takes a few minutes out of your day to, to just write a postcard to the nearest veterans organization mm. near you, the nearest VFW, and just say, thank you for your service. God bless you. We appreciate you. It would be tremendously appreciated, and it wouldn't take that much time, folks. It won't cost you a dime.
What a great message. And that is so true, John. We're talking to John Amos. Uh, it's so true that, that when, when they get any kind of uh, uh, recognition, whether they, no matter how small, how large, they appreciate it so much. And you're so right about the, uh, the Warriors. I remember we did a show from the Bataan Death March Memorial Run, which, wow. which they do in uh, uh, New Mexico. So we're down there doing the show, and there are – uh, a group of 11 Bataan survivors that are there. And these men are in their 90s. And th- they, uh, the thing that brought tears to your eyes is when they played the national anthem, every one of these men very painfully, painfully stood up and saluted. And right. I mean, the stories they told, but they had a group of, uh, uh, of wounded uh, warriors there and we didn't know where they were. We went into a luncheon and you get these strapping young guys that are ready to take on this 32 mile March and, and the packs on their back and everything. And then you notice they're missing a limb or they're missing it, you know, but they're ready to go. And they did. Right. Wow. I mean, it just, it's That's a testimony to their devotion and their fortitude. Yep. It it really is, and and their uh, mental outlook. You know, we just had somebody on the show talking about PTSD, and it's such a uh, it's such a big part of uh, conflict, and it's something that uh, uh, everybody has to come to terms with and deal with, and and hopefully there will be some uh, some treatments that are available. But you know, the things that you're talking about, John, you know, a little recognition, a little appreciation. Uh, a letter or a, a card and just to say hello and the things that you're doing that goes so far in overcoming things like that and getting back into society. No doubt. And it gives you a greater appreciation of the sacrifices that these young men and women, and in some, most cases now the older generation of veterans who survived, uh, it's, it, it, it's only the right thing to do to acknowledge them, because we take for granted so many freedoms we have in this country. I think you really have to live overseas or at least visit overseas some of these third world situations where they have openly oppressive governments and uh, to say some of the things that we say openly would would end in incarceration or or worse. I mean, that like the debate that we, we all took so much for granted the other night, the presidential debate, those issues and that type of a thing could never be discussed in some countries without fear of imprisonment. Oh my gosh, I know. I mean, you know, it's just uh, those. That's the reason that uh, that we should be appreciative and, and that we we should be uh, taking care of these people. So, no did you ever get uh, a chance to travel with Bob Hope? No, I'm afraid that was uh, Mr. Hope's uh, USO tours preceded uh, my my activism. I will share with you one experience I had at uh, a political meeting of some kind. For the most part of my life, I've tried to be apolitical and just be supportive of veterans when it came to making political decisions. That was a prerequisite for me. Did you support the vets openly and vociferously? And if not, excuse me, no vote from John Amos. (laughs) Good. Hey, that's everybody. That should be everybody's criteria, you know, because that's the one thing that we should be able to agree on. I don't care if you love the war, if you hate the war, you got to love the warrior. And, and that's the one thing that we preach on this show all the time. No doubt. No doubt. I had an experience at one uh, function I went to, I saw an elderly gentleman sitting over in the corner, an elderly black gentleman. 
and he had on a white baseball cap with blue lettering on it that said Iwo Jima 1945. So of course I was in, uh, I was fascinated. I was just drawn to him. A conversation ensued, and I found out that he was one of the survivors of the amphibious outfit that was responsible for bringing our troops onto the island of Iwo Jima itself and then returning wow. in an amphibious vehicle to the mothership to bring in uh, fresh troops and more ordnance. And in the course of uh, my dialogue with him, he gave me the names and the contacts of some of the other survivors of his outfit. I shared that information with my son, K.C., so named after the Kansas City Chiefs, of course. Yeah, absolutely. K.C. and I did a documentary called Their Stories, Their Voices, because all the war movies I saw when I was a kid with John Wayne and all the other heroes, Hollywood heroes, I never saw these guys depicted. I never saw any African-Americans depicted as having been uh, fighters or warriors. Yeah, right. So we did the documentary. Not only was it uh, shown to a number of the Montfort Point Marines who had I had established sure. a relationship with, they have a tremendous history going back to the Revolutionary War and beyond, to Bunker Hill and beyond. And um, the documentary had such an impact and was so well-received that my son and I received a special honor from the Commandant of the Marine Corps. Now listen to this if, if you don't believe God has a sense of humor. <laughs> the Commandant of the Marine Corps at that time was General Frank Amos. Really? No relation to, to my family, except maybe by um, inheritance yeah. <laughs> years and years ago. So when oh, I walked man. Up, my son and I walked up to him, I said, hey, cuz, how we doing? <laughs> you know, where, where do you find that document? I want to see that documentary. Well, I'd, I will send you a copy of it. I, I would absolutely, I'd love to show that uh, yes. to the folks at the VFW, too. That sounds great. Please. Please. And wow. most recently, I've been uh, approached by a gentleman. He, he is well into his 90s. I think he's 92. He was uh, a Colonel Dotson. Colonel Dotson is one of the surviving uh, members, and in fact, the last surviving member of the psychiatric corps, whose job it was to uh, give psychiatric treatment to those soldiers of color. And, and the mm. Second World War, and what incredible stories wow. he must tell. So I'm looking forward to meeting this gentleman. He's sending me some materials uh, on his history and that of his outfit so that I can get a better grasp as to whether or not it would be substantial for a uh, documentary on him. You know, that's the kind of thing, I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about doing great things for the troops and, and supporting the troops. And this. I mean, to make a documentary... And, and to go uh, that deep into something that, that you feel very strongly that should be viewed, that, that's a strong statement. And I, I just I appreciate you so much for that. That's, uh, that had to be a cool thing working with your son, too. Oh, it was great. Casey's an award-winning filmmaker, and uh, we worked together on a number of projects. But this one was so close to both our hearts. We saw it through, and uh, we, we did so. I might add this. We did so without any hopes of of uh, generating any uh, inordinate amount of funds or anything. In fact, I pay, my son and I paid for the documentary out of our own pockets. Oh, wow. We didn't ask for it, nor did we receive any government or corporate help to do the documentary. If I go forward in the future with this effort, I certainly have gotten um, the attention and I hope the support 
of a number of uh, of uh, corporations and private entities that would be supportive of such a documentary being done full blown. Well, yeah, because like you say, I mean, especially uh, African Americans, and uh, you, you just, you know, besides uh, the Tuskegee Airmen, and uh, you just don't hear uh, a lot about uh, that part of our history. And, and anymore, to be honest with you, you go in any school in the United States, they're not talking about uh, the Civil War. They're not talking about the, you know, the Desert Storm. You don't get any of those kind of things in uh, United States schools, and that's. That's really a shame. We talk about that on the show all the time. Yeah, there's no explanation for it, or there's no justifiable explanation, as far as I'm concerned. No, I mean, they just, it, and so when we have somebody, you know, that's on that's so fascinated and and so invested in telling those stories, it's, uh, it's so great to hear. So now what are you, what are you doing now, John? What's, what's uh, next up for John Amos? Well, I can uh, I continue to work on that documentary that I spoke of regarding the psychiatric evaluation of those troops that had been traumatized in whatever conflict they served in. So I'll continue with that, and I'll continue being supportive of veterans in my area. Uh, I, I ride a motorcycle, or I did until uh, <laughs> until old age said, "Hey." <laughs> You know, but uh, I, I became a, a member, a very proud member of an outfit, a national outfit called Rolling Thunder. I saw that, and uh, I'm very familiar with Rolling Thunder. That is that's tremendous. Oh, what a tremendous feeling it was! Some years ago, I say maybe five years ago, I took what they call the ride to the wall. The wow, wall in D.C. where all the names of all the veterans who passed. And gave the ultimate sacrifice during the Korea, uh, during the Vietnam conflict yeah. were acknowledged, and and that wall to ride to that wall with those thousands of bikers from all over the country, that was a feeling I'll never forget. Wow! My right hand up. At one point, we had over two hundred and twenty-five thousand bikers that had ridden there, uh, either solo or with their wives or friends, wow. and. It, it was fantastic when they revved up those that quarter of a million Harleys. Wow. I mean, it was like the world was vibrating. It, but wow. you see all those guys from every walk of life, from some that were corporate uh, biggies, you know, CEOs, sure. down to that street mechanic. They got on their machines and they rode there to honor those veterans. It was it was quite a feeling to be part of that. Well, and and the great thing too about Rolling Thunder is we've gotten them, you know every story uh, that we hear about where they have stood between the idiot protesters, uh, the the Phelps clan, and uh, and and mourners that are grieving uh, over those that they've lost, and they're yeah. standing between them with their engines. I mean that's sensational. Uh, Absolutely. Nothing short of sensational. And the very fact that we've got the freedom to have gatherings like that and have organizations like Rolling Thunder, that's all the testimony anybody would need is to the freedoms we have in this country and the sacrifices that were paid for us to have those freedoms. We can't take it for granted. And I think that we have a tendency to do that. We get so overwhelmed with uh, politics and and news that is distasteful or, uh, or that causes us to cringe, we forget about the sacrifices that are being made even as we speak by some young soldier, male or and or female, in Afghanistan or one of the other areas of conflict. We've got to remember these people. 
They are neighbors, they are sons, they are relatives, our dads, our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, our mothers. We got to acknowledge these people and make their come home, when their homecoming, rather, got to make their homecoming something that they can celebrate and let them know that we appreciate their service. Man, so well said. John, thank you again so much for being on. Thank you for your support of veterans. And I guess the last question I have is, anybody ever confuse you with John Stamos? You might not believe <laughs> and John and I got on a, the same plane uh, coming back from L.A. some years ago, and we were seated next to each other. <laughs> so there was a, a fan of John Stamos's behind me, and she mumbled and said, Mr. Stamos, can I have your autograph? And a hand reached over between the seats, and he reached for it, and I reached for it, and I said, you're called, man. <laughs> He's, he's a nice guy. At least That's the one time that I met him, he was very That's amiable, That's very likable. So, yeah, I, I did get to be John Stamos. That's funny. You got to be John Amos. John, once. you're the man. Thank you so much for being on. I promise we won't interview you again for a couple days. Hey, you take your time. I'll be available <laughs> when you guys need me. Hey, listen, we're still looking for you in Kansas. And by the way, I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, Kansas City, Missouri is the national headquarters for the VFW. I was not aware of that, so I've got to do a special yes. uh, uh, shout-out to all the VFW veterans in Kansas City. Carry on, guys, and go Chiefs. Thank you, John. Have a great day. Thank you, gentlemen. You too. You know, you don't have to be a five-star general to be involved with the national defense. You can subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to the national defense. The National Defense is written and hosted by me, Randy Miller, and executive produced by Nate Heron. Be sure to visit us online at thenationaldefense.com.